Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. It's all hands to the pump at One Football Towers this week with the Champions League draw and transfer deadline day. So apologies for what is going to be a slightly truncated podcast today. But don't worry, we still have plenty of great English and German football chat coming your way. I'm Dan Burke and my first guest today is Alex Mott. Hello. How's it going, Alex? Enjoying the season so far? Uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been manic, but it's uh, it's good to have club football back, albeit briefly. But yeah, it's been good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there's nothing like that annual buzzkill of the season getting going and getting <laughs> underway and then the international break coming like yeah. a cold finger up the arse <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's transfer deadline day tomorrow are you, are you ready for that have you have you had your sustenance i will have my sustenance tomorrow morning yeah i'll be uh, doing my overnight oats later on and i'll be uh, yeah i'll be ready to go tomorrow <laughs> Typing furiously, no doubt. <laughs> Let's start today with some uh, some Premier League chat. And uh, my first question today is about a, uh, a transfer which uh, apparently is on the verge of going through, um, according to widespread reports. Cole Palmer joining Chelsea from Manchester City for £45 million. I mean, he's he's a good talent. £45 million, yeah. that is a lot of money though, isn't it? That is a lot of money. Um, <laughs> I don't really know to be, where to begin with that, to be honest. He's really not what they need. I don't, I mean, I know why he's going there. Like, they're offering him a crazy amount of money for a really long contract. Um, yeah, it just seems like quite an odd move on his behalf. Um, yeah, like, He's not going to play much there, exactly, is he? He's yeah. not going to play more than he would play at City, you would imagine. I don't exactly, know. I mean, he yeah. might break his I, way in, but... I, I think the um, the... The former City Academy director is now at Chelsea and he was also mm. at Southampton. He tried to get him at Southampton. So Joe Shields, yeah. So he's obviously got a fan there. Um, but yeah, it's a very strange move. I, yeah, I'm not really... Whoever is, is advising him is uh, no, not doing a great job, I think. But um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, a weird one. Yeah, I think there's going to be quite a few weird moves, to be fair. It's <laughs> 48 hours. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about another one in, uh, in a few minutes as well. But uh, yeah, Cole Palmer, it's a weird one because a lot of uh, my fellow City fans are very upset about him leaving. I'm not one of them personally. I do okay. think he's a good young talent, but you know he's been sort of in and around the first team for about three years now. Still seems to take too, much, too many touches of the ball, doesn't really know how to release it, doesn't really play like the kind of robotic way that you might yeah. say that Pep Guardiola players tend to play. He doesn't seem to get it. He's a bit too much of a maverick, really. So, um, yeah, good luck to him. I think it's uh, it's a lot of money for somebody who uh, hasn't done an awful lot yet, but uh, it could prove to be a, a very good investment for Chelsea. And, uh, yeah, things are looking all right for Chelsea at the moment. They uh, they won 4-1 against Luton on Friday night. Uh, they've got, obviously, a lot of young players there. Um, Raheem Sterling seems to have uh, hit a bit of form, come back yeah. into some form, doesn't he? He, play, he played really well in that game. Yeah, he's... I mean, he, I mean, he wasn't the only one last season that had a difficult season at Chelsea. Um, but yeah, he's impressed. I thought he was probably their best player against uh, West Ham as well. Mm. Despite the defeat, I thought he looked good, good against Liverpool. I think he's probably it's probably better for him working under Pochettino, who's, who's a bit more structured in attack. I think yeah, he likes that sort of coaching. But yeah, it's I mean, it was, I mean, he scored the first one especially was a good goal. I, yeah, it's quite difficult to judge what that means, mm. really, in the grand scheme of things. I think the micro, the bit of a microcosm, really, the first goal. It was a brilliant goal, but uh, another Premier League team going to concede that sort of goal? <laughs> I don't think so. So, yeah, maybe reserving judgment on that one a little bit, just because it was Luton. But, um, yeah, he has looked good. I think, yeah, I think going forward, and probably this relates back to Cole Palmer as well, 
Sterling sort of is one of those players that needs a run in the team. And mm. whether he's going to get that with Rodrik, Madueki, Palmer now, who knows who else might come in. So, yeah, I hope that uh, Pochettino sticks with him because, yeah, he looks sort of back to his back to his former glories, really, which is good to see. Yeah, he's got his mojo back and he's 28 yeah. now, the old git. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is one of the older ones in that squad, isn't he, now? so Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the, I suppose he could be a bit, bit of a leader for them. Yeah, it's probably yeah. the sort of the sort of role that he kind of hoped when he when he left City that he would have at Chelsea, yeah. I think. You know, he'd sort of fallen out of favour at City, wasn't really getting a game very often and, and, I, th- and wasn't, I, do, ha- wasn't happy and, yeah. I, th- I think he's, uh, and Enzo looks really good as well, didn't he? I, I think it, mm. we're going to see that a lot from those Chelsea players that came in sort of last season or last January. The ones that have been there for a bit longer, I think they will, they will look a lot better this season, but yeah, that just goes to show that their plan of buying every player available is <laughs> probably going to backfire slightly this season. But yeah, no, Sterling's, uh, Sterling has looked very good so far this season. Yeah. In 2026, they're going to have an incredible team, <laughs> yeah. aren't they, if all goes to plan. But uh, it's, uh, it's still in its sort of gestation period at the moment, I suppose. <laughs> Another player who, uh, well, he'll be hoping to have a, a better second season at, uh, at a club in the Premier League is Darwin Nunez. Uh, came off the bench, super sub for Liverpool at Newcastle on Sunday, scoring two pretty good goals, uh, very well-taken goals. Yeah. The first one in particular was brilliant. You know, he... Um, he was fun to watch last season. He didn't have the impact that I think a lot of Liverpool fans hoped he would. You know, there was all that Harlan Nunez chat at the start of the season. That that race uh, became very one-sided very quickly, um, which I think was a bit... It wasn't very helpful to Darwin Nunez, no, I don't exactly. think, sort of comparing him to Harland at that point. But obviously still a very good player, still 24. Hadn't started for Liverpool, uh, hasn't started for Liverpool this season. Uh, it might start at the weekend after his, uh, after his cameo. Could this be a turning point for him, do you think? Yeah, I think... He's a brilliant shithouse, isn't he? I think if he's <laughs> on your team, then you love him. And if he's against your team, you really hate him. Those, yeah, it was just, a, I mean, it was a brilliant end to the game, wasn't it? And I, he's sort of one of those strikers that maybe a little bit like Richarlison, very clearly a confident striker. One of the, those sort of strikers that struggles when they've got time to think about finishes. <laughs> um, but I do think, yeah, these, especially that first one, yeah, like you say, it was a, it was a brilliant finish. And I, yeah, I do think that could be a bit of a turning point for him. And, and I hope so, because he's, he's looked a brilliant player in the past. And I think he still, he still scored nearly 20 goals last season, didn't he? So he, did, he was yeah. like a complete bust, but like you say, I think, um, yeah, being compared to Harlem probably didn't help him in that respect. So yeah, I, I hope it is a turning point because yeah, he's a brilliant player, and you know he obviously cost Liverpool a lot of money. But yeah, it was it was two two fantastic finishes. So yeah. yeah. That first one, I think that's the sort of chance that he was getting quite a lot last season. He, he would usually sort of flash it across yeah, goal just exactly, wide of the post, yeah. and now it's like yeah, it's gone yeah. in, and it's like yeah, that could be uh, that could be his big moments. Uh, Newcastle in that game dominated the game. You know, obviously Liverpool going down to ten men with uh, Virgil Van Dijk being sent off early doors uh, when Newcastle were already one 0 up. Newcastle. I don't want to say squandered loads of chances because I thought they played well, hit the post. Alisson made that incredible save, but you yeah. know they've come away empty-handed from two games against the big six this season. Now having you know, I thought they were outclassed against City the week before. Yeah. Is that a bit of a concern for them? Because I think we were all sort of expecting them to kick on this season. Is is there a, a worry that maybe they might have sort of hit their ceiling and yeah. need significant investment to kind of bridge the gap now? Possibly, I think on Sky after the game they were saying Newcastle missed the elite level striker, which. I don't know, maybe that's true. I think Alexander Isak could be that. But on the other hand, Alisson made the most saves he's ever made in a Premier League <laughs> game. So, you know, if if Harvey Barnes squares that ball to Wilson, to, you know, in the second half, then we're probably talking about a different game. But I think if you look back at, like, since Howe has come in, 
Newcastle only won one game against the top six, and that was Man United last year. Mm. That's a big concern. Um, and, you know, you'd, you'd just sort of look at Newcastle and think, oh, St. James's Park must be a fortress, especially against the big clubs, but it's actually not. So I think they probably, they really need to turn that around. Um, and obviously they've still got the Premier League, uh, still got the Champions League to think about now. So, mm. yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how, even, you know, not necessarily even against the big clubs, but against, you know, Burnley or Palace or whatever, if they are playing Barcelona on a Wednesday, how they then get themselves up for Palace on a Saturday. So, yeah, I, I, I think I predicted Newcastle to finish ninth this season. And I've not, ninth? Yeah. Oh. And I've yeah. probably eighth, but certainly not in the European places. And I think I'm not going to change my prediction at the moment. I think, uh, yeah, I'd worry for them slightly. I think. Wow. I hope no Geordie's listening to this because you're going to be a, a marked man. <laughs> uh, just a quick word on Alisson, actually. Um, incredible save for him in the first yeah, half, in particularly from, from Miguel Almiron. I've heard a couple of people saying this week on X, uh, as it's now known, uh, that maybe he's the the best goalkeeper in Premier League history. Is that a bit Ooh. of recency bias? Is, is Peter Schmeichel spinning in his grave there or is, uh, is there something to that, do you think? Um, I don't know. I, I think if he's... Well, he's certainly up there, isn't he? I, I don't think... I don't think Liverpool would have been the side that they've been over the past four years without Alisson, which probably says says a lot. Um, yeah, but I, then I don't know. Is Schmeichel, is Schmeichel really the best Premier League goalkeeper of all time or was he just in a very good defence? I don't know. Maybe that's a debate for another day when we're uh, maybe <laughs> longer. But he's certainly up there for me, Alisson, in, in the best of all yeah. time. I, I was going to say about Alisson, what I think always... I don't want to say lets him down, but I think people think that his kicking is better than it actually is. And I think his kicking is actually quite poor. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, back in the day, that didn't used to be a thing, did it? Yeah, you know, that's yeah. only a very recent thing that's, that we're sort of judging goalkeepers on as well. So no one talks about Peter Schmeichel's kicking because, because yeah, I can only even remember yeah, him sort of finding a shirt with a kick or anything, yeah. really. It wasn't, yeah, you know, so, so yeah. Yep. Uh, Arsenal, they drew 2-2 with Fulham at the weekend. Uh, disappointing result for them. Um, we spoke to Lewis on the podcast last week. He was he was saying that he was expecting a bit of sort of early season rustiness from Arsenal as they get used to a new system and yeah. bed in a few new players. But, you know, everyone's expecting a big title challenge from them after what's happened last season. Is is that going to happen, do you think, based on what you've seen so far? And is Kai Havertz the right fit for them? I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a bit of discontent already towards him, people wondering why they signed him. I'm going big early here. I think Arsenal have already blown it. Um, I think they're trying. I can see why they've tried the new system because, you know, they don't want to get stale and they don't want people to find them out. But I think that new system relied heavily on Timber playing and Zinchenko being being fit. Obviously, Timber's out for the season. Zinchenko came off the bench at the weekend. Um, I really do think that, yeah, they've... They've missed the boat already. They looked poor, I think. And what was a bit indicative for me, really, was... Was it... Yeah, it was the second goal. Conceding from a corner with 10 men or against 10 men, that's sort of a bit unforgivable, really, in, yeah. in the Premier League, especially when you're trying to... At home against a side like Fulham when you're trying to trying to win the Premier League. So, yeah, I'm, I would be worried about Arsenal. Uh, yeah, and Havertz is, again, a bit indicative of that. He just, he looks a bit lost, doesn't he? He just sort of doesn't, which is quite rare, rare for an Arteta team. He sort of doesn't really know what he's supposed to be doing. Mm. Um, and that's not definitely not been the case for a lot of Arsenal players since Arteta's come in. So, yeah, I would be slightly worried about about them, about their, about them all over the pitch, really. Um, yeah, sorry, Arsenal fans, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, with, with Havertz, I'm just not really sure 
I know or he knows what kind of player he is. Really. Yeah. Is he is he a forward? Is he a false yeah. nine? Is he a midfielder? Like it's just never really been clearly defined. I think he looked pretty good at Chelsea in his first season. Hasn't done an awful lot since then. Could be very wasteful in front of goal. Kind of goes missing in front of games. Yeah. Quite lightweight. Gets knocked off the ball. It was an odd signing for me at the time, and I'm I'm yet to see what, was what it the six, point of was it was. Sixty million. That's quite a lot of money. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of money for a player like him. Indeed, indeed. And uh, Jao Paulinha scored the equaliser for Fulham. I think uh, a few Fulham fans are hoping that people just sort of forget he exists. You know, these, <laughs> yeah. all these clubs that need a, a number six will be hoping that no one comes in for him in the, the final hours of the window. Apparently Bayern have expressed an interest yeah. in him, but he's a, he's a bloody good player, isn't he? He's sort of one of those that you'd say maybe a contender for the best player outside the big six, I well, would say. I've got a mate who's a Fulham fan and he tells me that he's the best player. He goes a lot and he said he's the best player he's ever seen in life mm. in, a, in a Fulham shirt. Um, yeah, which says a lot. And I think he probably scored at the wrong time, really, for Fulham fans. You know, the week before the window closes, I think clubs have, uh, clubs have seen him now, you know, on the score sheet. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think he, they won 80 million for him, 70 million for him. Yeah, if I was by Munich, I think that's a bit of a steal, really, for a midfielder mm. like him. So, yeah, he's, especially in this market. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of defensive midfielders, I wonder what uh, Rodri would be worth in this yeah. market. You know, City paid what seventy million euros for him. I think yeah. it was a few years ago. You know, he scored the scored the uh, the winning goal at Sheffield United for City at the weekend. I'm wondering if he's still a little bit underrated, Rodri. Do you, I'm, do you, I'm think, if, do you think he's underrated? I, I I don't know really. It's kind of hard, isn't it, to say how how somebody's rated. I think that can be a, a bit of a difficult thing to put your finger on. I just, I just don't know if people talk about Rodri enough. Yeah. I don't appreciate perhaps what he does. You know, his, his attacking output is incredible. He's basically single-handedly holds the midfield together. He's great at tactical fouling yeah, <laughs> and gets yeah. away with it a lot. I think I think people know that. That is also him, a but... key part of the game, isn't it? And key part yeah. of the game, especially when they're like, you know, being counted against. Yeah, he's brilliant at that. Yeah, scored some very, very important goals. Obviously, the winner in the Champions League final being yeah. there. The main one has a tendency to just pop one in with his weaker foot from 30 yards. Yeah, I just think he's a, I think he's a wonderful player. I think yeah. he's, you know, when he came in, I remember thinking, oh, Pep's got his Sergio Busquets at City now. And I think, I'm not saying he's, he's necessarily better at Sergio Busquets. I think they're different players, but I think he, yeah, he does a very different role and just in some ways is better than Sergio yeah. Busquets ever was, really. And just is an absolute... Absolute monster. Love the guy. And yeah, I think he'd be worth well over 100 million in uh, in this market. Oh, yeah. City, it looks like I've, uh, I've got a deal uh, done just before the deadline for Mateus Nunez from Wolves. Is he going to be a good signing, do you think? Um, I, t- I mean, I sort of think... I don't really get it, to be honest. Oh, yeah, but- like Guardiola makes... I, I can't really think of a player that he has made better. So I think... You could sort of sign anyone. Alvin Phillips. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. He could sort of sign any any player of any level, any like decent level, and I think they'd, they'd be good at City in some respect. But it worries me that he's gone on strike. That would put me off a little bit. You know, mm, yeah, I don't like him on Earlier that. in the week that he refused to train. Um, I'm, I don't, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I don't like that. Um, I just think, yeah, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I think he'll just be a squad player, won't he? And he'll play. He'll sort of be the Calvin Phillips of this season. <laughs> get on a few times, and yeah, I don't know. And what is it, sixty-five million? I suppose that's that's probably the going rate, really, for Premier League midfielders now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I reserve judgment on that one. I think a little bit. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Calvin Phillips, he made he's made twenty-one appearances in the City shirt so far. Um, Partly due to injury, partly just because when he did play, he didn't look great and yeah. Pep just doesn't seem to trust him. He's apparently had the opportunity to move on this summer and not taking it and said he wants to sort of stay and fight for his place. Is that a bit 
naive or deluded from him, um, would, would you say? I, I mean, I can sort of understand why you'd, he'd want to stay and prove himself. But then, I don't know, that that's where you're sort of Asian and the team around you say, look, you need to get over yourself now and just get off to because he, he was off to Liverpool, wasn't he? I thought they were still yeah. in him. That would have been a great move for him, I think. Or just I don't know anywhere where West Ham, somewhere where he would have played. I think like, there does come a point where if you don't play enough, then you know he's not going to get in the England squad anymore, and then you're going to start looking at moves to Everton, and nobody wants that. So yeah, yeah I do think he probably should have bit the bullet this summer, but. Yeah, I hope he seems like a nice guy. So I hope he. Uh, he does, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he loves lifting trophies that he had very little part in winning. But um, yeah, he, he seems to be a good guy to have around the place. I think you know for England at the Euros a couple of years ago, I thought he's he was brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's just you know he, he was pretty much out injured for the whole of the following season for Leeds, and then when he's played for City, he's just looked very out of his depth, really. Just yeah. you know, but then you comparing him to Rodri, and it's just like very unfair to compare yeah. anyone to Rodri. I think in that position, so. Yeah. Interesting uh, one. So City are the early leaders of the Premier League, the only team um, to have a 100% record so far. And it's the only the, the second time under Guardiola they've won the first three games of a season as well, which really? is uh, well, quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, not that we're uh, bothering with the league table too much, but West Ham are up in second after two very good wins, winning away at Brighton the other week. Is this um, going to be another one of those seasons where everyone tipped them for relegation or a lot of people tip them to really struggle and they're going to sort of confound expectations and David Moyes is going to... Uh, rub everyone's nose in it. Yeah, I was, I was just, I was looking at that um, a few days ago. I think ev- the season Everton finished in the Champions League, they'd finished seventeenth under Moyes the season before, and then the season that West Ham finished sixth a few years ago, they'd finished sixteenth under Moyes the season before. So there's a bit of a there's a bit of a pattern going on there. I mm. think. I mean, I certainly when we were asked to give our predictions before the season, I think they'd. They just sold rice and they hadn't bought anyone, and it, you know, there was a bit of uh, unrest amongst fans about you know not spending the rice money and blah blah blah. But since then, they've, I mean, they've bought really, really well, haven't they? I'm, and this is no offence to West Ham fans, but I'm amazed Ward Prowse went to West Ham. I think hmm. I think he's a Champions League player. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think his even just for his set pieces, I think he's you know he should be playing in teams that are way higher up the table or you know expect to be high at the table I think Alvarez looks brilliant for my axe um, yeah I thought he played really really well, well against Brighton at the weekend just looks like a complete animal in the middle of that midfield <laughs> yeah closing down everyone and had the energy for days Kudus I mean we've yet to really see, yet to see him in the West Ham shirt but he's been really good for Ajax over the past few seasons so yeah to spend you know it's very easy on paper to get 100 million in and then spend it on three players but I think yeah, the signs so far, uh, West Ham have done that perfectly, really. So, yeah, more power to them. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. They've, yeah, they've looked really, really good. And Mikel Antonio continues to confound <laughs> his own absolutely unplayable on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they look really, really good, which is not what I was expecting at the start of the season. Yeah. 22% possession they had in that Brighton yeah. game. And probably, you know, the scoreline probably flattered Brighton. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. West Ham could have had a couple more. Yeah, if yeah. only Moisey had done that at United, just said, <laughs> let's just park the bus, you know, he probably would have still be there by now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of Brighton, they've got a, a very interesting uh, transfer coming their way by yeah. lots of things. Anzu Fati joining uh, on a season-long loan from Barcelona by lots of things. I mean, fitness permitting, which is a pretty big if with him, unfortunately, but that could be a 
A really, a really good one, couldn't it? Well, he was. Uh, I was just in the office today, and we were chatting about it. He was brilliant for four months for Barcelona. It was mm. the team that they were going to build their attack around? Do you remember Man United bid a hundred million for him, and they well, might have even mm. won that, and they and they rejected it. Yeah, he's just been very, very unlucky. He had that bad knee injury, um, and then has just yeah struggled for fitness really and a place in the team since then. I think yeah, like you say, if they can get him fit and. Yeah, if they can get him firing again, that's a brilliant signing. I mean, there there was a reason yesterday that Chelsea and Tottenham were both going in for him. Um, so yeah, for Brighton to swoop in and steal him from under their noses, I think is a uh, yeah him and Matoma either side of attack. I think that's uh, very exciting for Brighton fans. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Somebody on Twitter said that he'll have the best seven games in Premier League history this season. <laughs> yeah. <so>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got a question from David Aslan here. He's a long-time podcast listener and a regular contributor as well. And he has gone uh, undercover behind the scenes for us at Goodison Park into the Lions' den. He says, being at Goodison last Saturday, the fans were absolutely raging. Is there any realistic hope for Sean Dyche beating the odds and keeping them up this season? Or are they as good as relegated? What do you reckon? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if everyone's seen this, but the fan booing at halftime. <laughs> Tom Custer was just hilarious. Um, yeah, they don't look great, do they? I think uh, that starting a Beto is probably quite a good one. They need goals. Mm. I mean, they haven't scored a goal in the leagues yet this season. Um, obviously, they couldn't really count on Calvert-Lewin to stay fit. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that one fares. But, yeah, they just they just look they just look beat, don't they? Whenever they go on the pitch, they just don't look like... Which is very strange for Sean Dyche's team. They just, they just look easy to beat. Um, I just... Yeah, I don't really see it turning around for them, unfortunately. So, yeah, last season at Goodison, going down. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. the perfect ending, really, isn't it? So, yeah, <laughs> a few seasons at Everton. <laughs> yeah, that Beto scored in his debut against uh, Doncaster in yes. the Carabao Cup, didn't he? I mean, yeah, good start for him. They are the lowest-ranked yeah. uh, yeah. team in the, the Football League at the moment, aren't they, exactly. Doncaster? So, yeah, uh, yeah expecting a bit more more from them. Um, yeah, apparently he's, uh, he wanted to join Everton as well because his idol is Samuel Eto'o. And I, I'd forgotten that Eto'o played for Everton <laughs> yeah. until he brought that up. I was like, oh yeah, bloody hell. Barcelona yeah. and Inter Milan, we're out of there. Yeah, we're not going through. <laughs> <laughs> Who else are we looking at for uh, relegation candidates, do you think? Any any hope for Luton and Sheffield United? And, and, and Burnley, I mean, you know, a lot of people were, were tipping them to be a sort of surprise package, top half finish. They've not started brilliantly though, have, have they? They haven't, no. Um, I mean, right, they, they have played City, to be fair, but yeah. I mean, I mean, like we said about Luton earlier, I just, I really, I don't see it from them. Unfortunately, I don't think they've got any. I mean, wisely they haven't, you know, splurged any money at all, really, on players, which is probably the best thing to do. Um, so yeah, I think Luton. I, I know Sheffield United have lost all three games so far, but I actually thought they looked okay against City at the weekend. Um, obviously, it was a late winner. I, I thought they looked for City. I thought they looked mm. all right. Um, Bournemouth don't look great. I was really expecting more from Bournemouth so far this season, but yeah, they've they've not really impressed that much. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's two, three games in. It's very difficult to make sweeping sweeping statements. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with my initial prediction at the start of the season, say Luton, Sheffield United, and what did they say? And Everton. Yeah, those three, I think. Are I think go. I might have gone for those three as well, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's uh, let's drop down now into the uh, the football league because you wow. are our resident EFL expert. Yes. That's a, a moniker that I've given you and that you probably <laughs> gladly accept. <laughs> uh, start with uh, with Enzo Maresca's Leicester, who are top of the uh, Premier League. That's, that's quite a nice rhyme to it, that doesn't it? Yes. Um, top of the Championship, even um, they've not been top of the Premier League for a few years. <laughs> Impressed with them so far? They've looked really good. Yeah, I was. Um... Yeah, I was just really intrigued to see how they were going to do, really, because Marasco is obviously one of Pep Guardiola's assistants. The Championship is sort of famed for being a bit of a rough-and-tumble league and, you know, relentless, the amount of games that everyone has to play. But, yeah, so far, four wins out of four. Um, they've only conceded three goals. They've played probably some of the best stuff in the Championship. Well, yeah, definitely some of the best stuff in the Championship. Um, Jamie Vardy's looked like a man revitalised. He looks really good. They've kept hold of Dewsbury Hall, who is... Definitely a step above the championship. He's mm-hmm. great. They've also introduced a few young players, um, like Casey McAteer. He made he played a few games at the end of, or maybe in the middle of last season, got injured, and then I think he started his first game this weekend against Rotherham and scored both goals. Um, just looks like a very whippy, fast winger who can finish. So, yeah, they look like the complete package at the moment. It really doesn't look like anyone can stop them really so yeah they've they've looked really really good so yeah a return to the Premier League looks uh, looks quite likely for them at the moment really 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 impressive yeah it's a very good squad they've got there isn't it he's, yeah. uh, he's definitely a good manager or looks yeah. like he's uh, started out very well anyway what about the other two uh, relegated clubs Leeds and Southampton what have you made of them so far well Leeds actually had looked terrible up to this weekend um, yeah not Daniel Fark they've sort of been a bit Preoccupied by the whole Willie Nonto debacle that's mm. been going on, they had yeah they'd looked they'd lost to Birmingham, they drew with Cardiff, they'd not looked very good, and then they went to Ipswich, who before this weekend had been though they'd won three out of three and were looking one of the best teams in the league, and then they won four three at Portland Road at Ipswich. So yeah, that's that sort of sums up the championship, really, doesn't it? It's um, it's quite unpredictable uh, for a lot of the teams. So yeah, they've looked Leeds of I don't think Leeds are you know they're going to go down or anything daft like that but yeah they've not looked the best at the moment it's gonna mm. I think they need the window to slam a shot and then they can actually concentrate on <laughs> playing football so yeah not great so far for them and then Southampton they haven't lost yet they uh, won three drew one they've they keep scoring late winners they scored late at Wednesday scored late at Portsmouth they scored late this weekend as well um, they've looked pretty good um, I think they might struggle if Che Adams leaves, which, um, I mean, that has been in the offing all window. Whether that actually mm. happens, I don't know. I think Everton were the club that were most heavily linked with them. They, they seem to have cooled their interest. Yeah, they've got so, the yeah. better. So I think if they can keep Che Adams, they'll they'll be okay. They'll, they'll probably be in the playoffs. But yeah, they've yeah they've looked okay. But yeah, no, they're not ripping up trees at the moment. Yeah, another uh, German manager down there doing bits at the moment is David Wagner, yes. in charge of uh, Norwich City there. They've made a pretty decent start. Are we looking at maybe another return to the Premier League for them? They've been brilliant, yeah. Um, they've got a really young team. They've sort of got the crowd behind them. They've scored the most goals in the Championship so far. They've scored 13. They played a, a brilliant game with Southampton a few weeks ago, which was 4-4. It was, yeah, real, like, basketball stuff. Um, yeah, and, and Jonathan Rowe, they've probably got the standout young player in the Championship. He's only 20. Um, yeah, he's been great so far. Adam Eder is another player. He's a striker. He's impressed really on, impressed early on. So, yeah, really young, if exciting team if you get the chance to watch Norwich definitely do it because they've uh, they look great 
Yeah, and down at the bottom of the championship, we've got Sheffield Wednesday. Of course, they uh, they came up from League One via the playoffs last season. Parted company with their manager, Darren Moore, in the yeah. in the summer, which was a, a bit of an odd one. They brought in Zisco Munoz, who people might remember was uh, the Watford manager who brought yeah. them up last time and got sacked after about four games or something, wasn't it? Uh, bottom of the league at the moment, it's not looking great, is it? I think he might be getting sacked after four games this time <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah, no wins from four. Actually, they lost to Mansfield in the cup in the Carabao Cup as well on Tuesday. Um, you mentioned it there, the sacking of Darren Moore. I don't think the squad have really got over that. It was a very, it's been a very weird summer for, for like Darren Moore has made a statement saying, or the chairman made a statement saying that Darren Moore asked for too much money. Um, Moore has said that wasn't the case. I think the whole, everything off field is just, yeah, is implanted on the pitch and yeah, they, they just don't look good at all. Despite, yeah, despite Hillsborough rocking every game. Yeah, it's just not worked out. And I think, um, yeah, I don't think Zisco is going to be there for too much longer, to be honest. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, dropping down to League One now, your beloved Oxford United are top yes. of the league. Top of the league, four wins in a row for the first time in years, the conference years probably. Um, yeah, I was. we lost the Cambridge first game of the season 2-0 and we looked absolute crap. So I was... Uh, <laughs> I was quite wor- worried, but yeah, we've won every game since then. Um, is, that, is that the boat race derby? Uh, well, it hasn't got an official name, but you can call it that <laughs> if you want. Um, yeah, we've got, I don't know, Liam Manning, the new manager's just got us playing some really, really good stuff. Um, we've got a young player who's come through the academy called Tyler Goodrum, who, yeah, is probably one of the best young players in League One. So, yeah, I don't want to get too excited, but um, yeah, things are looking up for sure. We look good. <laughs> So, and our last question for you today, Alex, is about Wrexham. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be uh, familiar with the the Wrexham story with uh, Rob McElhenney and uh, Ryan Reynolds, obviously uh, in charge of them. They they finally got promotion back to the the Football League uh, at the end of last season. It's been a a little bit of a baptism of fire for them, I suppose. Just one win from five so far. Ben Foster has uh, retired. Was he was he that bad for them? Um, Honestly, no. I I mean, they've they've. Not really, but they've continued what they did last season, which is score tons of goals and concede a ton of goals. Um, and I don't think you can entirely blame Ben Foster on that. They've their defence is just incredibly leaky. Yeah, they've conceded fourteen in five in five games, <laughs> but, they've also, but they've also scored fourteen. So that really sums it up. Um, yeah, the, the number two, who's now the number one, Mark Howard. I'm not sure is that much of an. Well, I don't think he is an upgrade on um, Ben Foster, to be honest. So. Yeah, compared to Notts County, who they also went came up with, um, yeah, they've not looked not looked great. Whereas Notts County have really taken to League Two, League Two, really well. So, yeah, I just think until they stop that leaky defence, I don't think they'll be going up anytime soon. Yeah, you can't you can't concede fourteen goals in five games and uh, <laughs> the playoffs. Unfortunately, no matter who your owner is. Yeah, is Paul Mullen their star man back now after puncturing no, his lung in not. preseason? No, no, no he's. Uh, He'll be back and I'm not sure when he'll be back actually. But um yeah, they just yeah, they miss him. They they're still scoring goals. Um, but yeah, they're just uh yeah, they're floating around mid table and I think they will continue to do so until they improve defensively, to be honest. Joining me now to talk all things Bundesliga in part two is Helga Voltman, who is uh, fresh off a trip back to the good old United Kingdom. I say back, you're not from there, but you, know, you, <laughs> went, you went there. I did, I did. Great intro, thank you. <laughs> how, how was it? 
uh, it was really great. Like went to see a wrestling show in Wembley Stadium, and oh. like eighty-one thousand people there it was incredible atmosphere. And then I got stuck in that you know UK chaos on the <laughs> on the airports in the uh, last couple of days, and had to fly to Poland to get back, but uh, managed, and so now back in Berlin. And You're back in Berlin. Yeah, it was worth it, though. Like, we'll do it again. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Ten, 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Brits, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a bit of a British invasion in the, in the Bundesliga at the moment. Obviously, Harry Kane is uh, is leading the charge at Bayern Munich. How's he, uh, how's he settled in so far at Bayern? Annoyingly well. <laughs> you know, for, for a Bundesliga fan, um, like, you at least want to have, like, a, a sense of, okay, like, Bayern might be struggling this season, you know, um, and that there's a, a chance of like a, maybe a different team winning it, um, but uh, at least from the from the striker position, it doesn't look like it this year. Like um, he scored uh, three goals already in, in his first two games, um, and yeah, you just like for example, like he was playing against Werder Bremen like a game like I watched a bit more closely because uh, it's uh, my home team, mm. and like with his goal, you just like he. he you saw when the pass was coming that he had too much space and you just know that he's going to score this one. Like he, he doesn't miss like these clear chances. Like maybe, maybe a, a striker would on a, a bit of a lower level. You just, he knew it was going to go in and it's, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit frustrating, you know, to be uh, looking at that from the outside, but as, as Bayern fans, like they must be super happy. I'm sure they are. Yeah. And they, they've, uh, they've got him into his lederhosen. and he's, uh, he's tried some uh, <laughs> vice first. Have you, have you had vice first before? Certainly so. Like, is it been, nice? Uh, yeah, I like it. Like, it uh, doesn't look nice. <laughs> you have to learn how to eat it because, like, you cannot eat the the like outside part. You have to cut it open. Oh yeah, I saw Thomas Muller sort of showing him how to do it. You have to make like a sort of diagonal cut, don't you? Or something. Yeah, because because like I've seen tourists. Like, I've been like doing an internship in Munich uh, for a couple like, like almost ten years ago, but like. Um, like, I, like I've seen tourists eating it, like the whole thing, and then they were like not enjoying it. It's like, yeah, yeah you did it wrong. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's very nice, very very smooth kind of sausage. Nice. I play. Maybe I'll uh, I'll have a have a try for Oktoberfest this year. Ever? No, I have never had it. No, I mean I love bratwurst, but I uh, never had the the vice first. No, oh. yeah, I've had blute first, which is the sort Ooh. of opposite of that, isn't it? The, uh, it's a bit bit like black pudding, this sort of British black pudding yeah, that we have, yeah. yeah. Very good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, there's a, a bit of a British invasion uh, in Bavaria at the moment. Obviously, Kane uh, has been ta- has been brought in this season. The Bayern were also interested in Kyle Walker at some point. That uh, that hasn't happened. Uh, Scott McTominay, Nathan- um, Trevor Chalobah, Eric Dyer now emerging. What, what is is Thomas Tuchel just obsessed with the Premier League or something? Or? <laughs> he must miss it, maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, I think yeah, I think it's probably his influence being being shown there. On the other hand, I think Kane is just a matter of okay, where do we get a striker that can you know guarantee us more or less like thirty goals if he's fit in a season? There aren't that many. So like, I think Harry Kane was just a matter. Of, okay, he's at a club where the chances of winning titles is not very high for him. He's at an age where he wants to you know go somewhere else maybe and, and, and get those titles on his on his resume. Uh, so I think that's a bit uh, on the side. And the other thing is I am pretty sure that Tuchel has, you know, gotten a, a big appreciation for players from the Premier League, you know, coaching there for a couple of years. Um, and also knowing that like, when they are coming from, you know, one of the, or like the best leagues to one of the best leagues, they're 
like there's a higher chance of them adapting well, you know, mm. then maybe you don't have that as much like that much security on that when you look at players from the Eredivisie or, you know, like even like uh, Portugal where like there's always a question, you know, like do they, do they manage to, to step up to the next level? Whereas, you know, for these Premier League players, it's like a step to the side or like even slightly down a bit. Um, so they, they're, they should be able to perform and he was able to watch them close. And so I think he has a lot of, players, a lot of names in his mind that he thinks could improve Bayern or help Bayern. And so I think that's where, where this is coming from right now a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They, they're in the market for, well, uh, Benjamin Pavard's left to join in, so hasn't he? And they're in the market for uh, a replacement for him. And a number six before the window closes. Do you think they're going to get both those deals done? I'm pretty sure. Like the, the, the number six, I think, is a bit more more of a question mark because Pavard is, it's clear that they also said it like they only let him leave if they if they like are confident that they're going to get a replacement um with a with a midfielder I'm a bit like I think they're going to try but on the other hand the the bosses at Bayern they, they have made it clear that for them this is not the highest priority they're more looking into it because Tuchel is is saying it more and more like oh, I need this I, I need a player like that even though he's also said like he would accept if he like doesn't get it you know he would have to work with the players he's got but I think it's more of a matter for them okay if there is an opportunity that is uh, making financial sense we'll we'll try to to appease our coach but they are not seeing it that much of an issue because they they have had that Kimmich Goretzka midfield for years and it, it it has been working well in the past, even though it's a bit out of out of balance by now. And also, they they see uh, Lima as like the like the defensive midfielder that they, mm. they, they they could have that position. So I think they're not gonna go, like you know go all out for for the midfielder. More like okay, let, let's try and see what's what's out there. Yeah. Well, despite Bayern's uh, very good start to the season, the uh, the early leaders in the Bundesliga are, are uh, one of our local teams, Union Berlin. Uh, obviously, it's only two games into the season, so we're not uh, knee-joking too much. But it's uh, it's been quite the rise for Union over the years, hasn't it? And uh, you know, you kind of think, is are they going to plateau at some point? Is this it? Is this is you know the Champions League? Is that as high as they're ever going to get? And then you know the the way they're playing at the moment, you wonder is a is a title challenge beyond them? Is it beyond them? I would say I would say yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like that's too much. Also, you know, to to challenge Bayern, that, that is you know have to be so consistent over the whole season. They're going to have the Champions League games coming up for the first time. It's not the first time that they're playing in Europe, so like they're used to having a, a bit of that rhythm. But it's also what players describe. It's uh, it's very hard like to get like from that high of playing a Champions League game where it's like the biggest teams in the world and then like the weekend after you're playing against, you know, Heidenheim, Darmstadt, Werder mm. Bremen, you know, what, whatsoever. And it's like, okay, this is a bit harder on your on your um, psyche kind of like to, to uh, keep that motivation 100% up the, the whole time and not, not, not give in to fatigue more, which I think is more extreme in the Champions League. Um, uh, for Union, on the other hand, it's... Um, we always thought that this was it already because like financially they are not a powerhouse. Like they, they have a very small stadium. They, they have been like promoted only I think five years ago. Uh, mm. Like, like this is the fifth season, I think. Um, so they, they're still developing and they're doing that very well. But on like so far, like they are, they are not a financial powerhouse. Like they're, they're signing very smartly. They have 
an amazing coach that that has found a way of playing for them that that works out well and that is annoying to all the opponents but um I think like if they are managing now for the next couple of years to to stay up in like con- as contenders for like a you know Europa League conference league maybe even on a good season at Champions League that this could be um could be their their plateau for now but yeah being in a in a big city like like Berlin like they they want to extend like they want to build a um, like rebuild the stadium a bit or like extend their stadium to I think it was like 37,000 um, people being in there which would be like the next step and then you know being consistent in, in the league having all that attention also like being a Berlin club like I think they have uh, a good good you know like like um, fundamental setup and it will take just uh, a lot of time to develop into like a clear top club that there will be like a Champions League yeah exactly the- they're going to be playing the Champions League games at uh, Olympia Stadion uh, this year, aren't they? Yes, Hertha's Stadium, which isn't isn't ideal for them. But yeah, you mentioned they made some good signings. Kevin Follins come in, Robin Gosens, both both interesting signings. They, they haven't spent the earth on on these players either, like you say. You know, is this a bit of sort of a beacon of hope for football that a kind of largely fan owned <laughs> club can do this in this day and age? Um, a bit, but it's also it's. Um... Like it's tough to do, you know. Like they also have fans that are very supportive that that don't like that don't expect too much after um, after some successes. You know, they are still like after uh, like qualifying for the Champions League. That was like the the Tifu recently. That was like don't forget where you're coming from. Like mm. they still know like we're our a developing team that is that is still you know looking for um, for for. A, yeah, like big improvements and like in all levels, um, but yeah, no, they 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 are signing really smartly and a bit like it's a, it's a funny strategy because they are always going for more experienced, like not always, but like almost always going for more experienced players that um, already have proven that they are at least like first second league material, and then they they sign a whole bunch. And then they just go, okay, we're like signing them on free transfers or on very cheap transfers. They are um, accepting pretty low wages so that they can, like, comparatively low wages so that they can uh, be at a club that is on the up, that is proven to be a good developmental place for, for players. So even if they are not making it, they are not on these like massive contracts that nobody else would, would be willing to take them on. So they, they are capable of like reselling them. Uh, and not be like stranded with like a whole bunch of players that then, you know, block further signings. And so they sign like, I don't know, 10 players per season, three or four are working out. The others are going. And then you have like these three, four players staying or like one or two of them leaving for uh, a lot of money. Then they are able to, you know, re-sign new players and more expensive players, you know, like, um, as you said now, like Fallon and Gosens, they're, they're not, you know, um, massive um, signings in the, in the sense of like, if you were looking at the Premier League, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. not very impressive, but for them to sign like, you know, Falland, uh for 4 million, like a former uh, like German international player, like Gosen's 13 million is their record signing. Uh, while they also signed Diego Elite, you know, for a mm. seven and a half, like they've been investing money. Obviously they have the Champions League uh, money coming in, but for them, this is like a, a next step, you know, also getting Tussa from, from Hertha, you know, kind of getting 
uh, one of the better players of their rivals to come over and all these. They, they are making step-by-step bigger signings, some bigger risks, while also maintaining, you know, like a financial sound um, environment. They're doing really, really smartly. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, yeah. I think I've I've recommended this on the podcast before, but if anyone's interested in learning more about the rise of Union Berlin, there's a brilliant book that came out last year mm-hmm. called Scheisse, We're Going Up uh, by Kit Holden. I would recommend everybody reads that. It's a really, really good book. Uh, moving on to another team who've been uh, very uh, in good form so far and a joy to watch in the Bundesliga is Bayer Leverkusen under Xabi Alonso. Um, do you think they can keep it up all season? Do you think they're going to they're gonna really push by and hard for the title? Yeah, I think they are. they are the one... You know that is compared to Union as well with the with the better chances on that. You know um, they've had last year already a very good team um, where you would like they they started super bad into the season so that they were okay like they weren't going to challenge for uh, the title that was clear you know after a couple of games. Um, but then when Xavi Alonso took over, they really hit a good form again, and you could see the you know. What everybody expected from them from the start, he brought that back. You know, first, um, like really working on the defensive um, mechanisms that they have, but like slowly but steady, also improving them the the attacking and like now having this nice mix of fast players on top that can you know counterattack or like be really powerful, like you know strong attacks fast, and also like a mix with his possession game and like he managed to. To bring all that in, it's it's super impressive, and I think everybody has been enjoying like watching him work because um, mm. we all saw the, the great player that he was, and now he's he's proven to be uh, a great coach as well, at least for his first big um, like uh, job as a as a like professional coach. Yeah, I love it and, when that happens. It's always yeah. it's always sort of disappointing when a great player turns out to be a shit manager. <laughs> yeah, like, not to say he's a shit manager, but like, you know, Pirlo, everybody was hoping to yeah, something like that. And that's who like, I was thinking ah, of as well, yeah. God damn it, like, he didn't make it. Like, <laughs> he can still do it, you know, overall, yeah. but like, the first impression wasn't like this. It's, yeah, like, yeah. with him, it's just a joy to watch. And um, they've had also, like, great uh, transfers this, this summer. It looks to be working out very nicely because they, they they sold Diaby of course you know like the mm. Premier League fans will probably know about this to to Aston Villa for a big big number and like, I think it's rumored about like fifty five million euros. Um, but they managed to invest that money really well. They got like one of the best signings probably like was was a free transfer with like Grimaldo from Benfica. They they finally mm. closed that hole that they've been having on on uh, the left defender position. And we're always super strong on the right side with Frimpong, who yeah. looks to be staying, which is also amazing for them. They got uh, Artur, who's um, you know like a, a player that can um, play on the right and the left, and can be you know like the, the backup that they need, and looks to be really impressive. You know, he came from um, from Brazil, um, and yeah, they also replaced Diaby very smartly. Like they they got in Jonas Hofmann. Who has been underrated in the Bundesliga for mm. for years? It's it's amazing how, you know, he's not being like talked about more because like every every year basically he he delivers. Like yeah, last season he had twelve goals, eleven assists. I think before the season it was pretty similar. Um, like he's 
a very consistent attacker that delivers goals and and you know assists for 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 his team Gladbach before. So they only paid like ten million for him. Like it was on a buyout clause. <clears throat> amazing, amazing business for them. Um, then they had the problem of like Patrick Schick being injured all the time. They uh, got in Victor Boniface now from from um, Saint Gilles. And he also like he I had him like packed after his great performances in the uh, Europa League last year. I had him packed as like the um, like a like breakout star for this yeah. for this season, and uh, he delivers. Like he still has like some problems, like maybe technically rough rough around the edges a bit, uh, but he has an absolute like he has amazing power. He has um, like the striking ability is great. So yeah, I think. That could be one of those strikers that that we all talk about in the, in the, in the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they've got uh, Florian Wirtz back from. Uh, let's hope his injury troubles are behind him now. Is he going to be uh, Germany's next wonder kid? Do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, like he's he's amazing when he's like uh, injury free. Last year he was struggling a bit more, but like when he's uh, when he's in form, like he's incredibly to watch as well and. Even forgot to say it. So far, like Ani Chaka being being there oh, as yeah. like a leader in yeah. defensive midfield, like they have. I think their um, uh, like their club boss has also been saying like they had like five ideas, you know, for um, this this summer that they they wanted to sign like their A signings for each position. And he was like, "It's incredible. We managed to get them." It's also like the Xabi Alonso effect a bit, um, where people like the players want to train under him and like they've had an amazing summer like with the signings and I think even like looking at the depth of their team and like the the quality that they have they, they signed Stanisic on loan from Bayern to kind of like bolster up um, then the backups you know they they now have uh, interesting talent in uh, Nathan Teller you know there's there's oh, yeah. there's it's a really good team like I think they they can be the one this season to to challenge Bayern, especially because um, other teams like Leipzig had um, a lot of changes in the team. They lost a lot of good players. They seem to be looking looking good, but I think this might take a bit of time like to like put all the parts back together. So might be not be challenging Dortmund has been struggling uh, to start into this season, and so yeah, like the Leverkusen might be like the team to challenge Bayern this year. Yeah, yeah. What do you make of Dortmund? Actually, been very unconvincing. Started with a, a, a late winner against Curl on the opening day of the season. Then they they drew with Bochum last week. Is that a, a bit of a worry for them after the, the kind of emotional roller coaster that was the end of last season? Are they are they struggling to kind of get back on the horse? Do you think? It seems like it. It's it's been. I mean, they've had, as you said, like this 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 disappointment last season. They've had a summer where they did like a US promotion tour. Um, trying to you know like get get some money and get some get get, uh, get some uh, promoting done, which is never really helpful for your uh, like your training camps or like your preparation for the season. Uh, Julian Brandt has also said that uh, every player is you know they are responsible themselves to to be in a state to be performing at the beginning of the season, which apparently is not the case. If he you know feels like he has to mention this. Um, mm. So this seems to be of a um, like a difficult start. Obviously, they they also lost Bellingham, which was a very decisive player for them in the midfield. Um, Guerrero, who was uh, who's at Bayern now, um, who was also 
providing a lot of um, like threats on goal. So it's it's tough because like they have that Zabitzer, which I think is a good signing because he's a proven commodity. They have Mecha, who's uh, a bit of a you know okay he's he's not a um, Bellingham type of player but he's a young player that can have like a bit of a different role but connecting as well like the defensive midfield to the to the attacking midfield so they have some interesting players in there they're right now it looks like going to sign uh, Niklas Füllkrug as well from Werder Bremen yeah. so as a as a striker that can replace Alea like a, like a similar type of of player um, they're missing some center backs but yeah like. It seems that Terzic needs to really like improve their their attacking. Like it's it's it seems a bit lackluster, a bit slow. But there's yeah, there's there's still stuff to to work out for them. But the problem is like you don't have time to work stuff out if you want to like challenge Bayern in a season because they are not gonna yeah. wait for you to to get into form. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Fulkrug, uh, I seem to recall you and I talked about him on the podcast during the World Cup when he uh, he scored for Germany against, I can't remember who it's against now, but he scored a, a brilliant goal for Germany. Are you uh, are you going to be sad to see him leave, Bremen? Definitely. Like, he, last year, was one of the reasons that the team stayed in the league. Um, we made a signing in Kovnatsky from, from Düsseldorf, who was very um, convincing in the second league. And so like that was like a nice signing as a backup, but they would definitely need to need to replace him. And to be honest, I have no idea how. Like it's <laughs> like all of our attacks, like all of Bremen's attacks are going through him, like either with like long balls towards him where he's kind of like controlling the ball and then distributing it again. Or he is like that uh that that like point man in the in the box when there's like crosses coming in or like you know like he's that like the end of every attack, more or less. And so yeah. to replace that is going to be very, very tough. Um, Bremen needs money. That's that's a known issue. Like they have said it from the start. They're going to need to make some some extra uh, during during this transfer window or like all the transfer windows to come for the next couple of years, basically, because COVID hit them very hard financially. Mm. And so, yeah, like they, I think overall, if they manage and... You know, they they probably know <laughs> the landscape of strikers better than I do. That's you know, hope so because uh, I, I would be stumped. Um, but they had a long time to prepare for this. So like, let's just see who's the replacement because there's no rumors out so far. Um, it's also late in the transfer window, so it's yeah. going to be interesting to see. <laughs> um, but it looks like they could be signing Amiri. There's like Kuev could go to Leeds, so then maybe like Amiri yeah. coming in from Leverkusen into to midfield together with Nabi Keita and um, <clears throat> Senelinen who has been signed from San Giloir as well um, so they, they, they've strengthened their midfield um, they're looking for a left back um, if Fuku leaves now it would look like there, there's enough money coming uh, in to, to also do that so overall midfield and defense would have been strengthened it would be really coming down to okay who do they get in as a striker to kind of rate this this transfer window because if they get a good replacement for Fulcourt then I think they strengthen the team overall but if they can manage to find a, a striker that guarantees at least you know double digit goals it's going to be tough yeah yeah, Naby Keita got injured during pre-season, didn't he? Do you know when uh, he's scheduled to be back? Uh, yeah, he's back in team training already. Um, oh, but it doesn't look like he's going to uh, play against Mainz. You know, they don't want to don't want to risk it. 
um, I think also makes a lot of sense to to not rush it because yeah, like coming back and then only having like two three days of training when there's an international break coming up where he can get uh, into form, you know, completely and like have, has like two weeks to be completely prepared. I think it makes a lot of sense to just wait and then have him back um, for after the, the yeah international break. Indeed. Well, that is all for this episode of the One Football Podcast. Thank you to Alex and Helga for their great insights. We'll be back again next Thursday. And if you'd like to get a question or a comment into the show, the email address is podcast at onefootball.com. Ciao for now.